0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware.
1: You're obsessed with her? And you're obsessed with her daughter! All right,
2: easy, Geraldo. And welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking about standing in the way of the human condition. We're talking a Lord of Illusion reunion. And we're talking, fuck you, gutter slut. And I'm
3: Joe. And I'm Trace. And we are talking my very personal queer sexual awakening. Oh, gee. I'm surprised that only took five seconds to come up. Well, I was like, what am I going to say? There's something in the movie. Am I going to talk about the shadow tentacles over the naked girl? Or Mm. no, no, no. We're going to talk about my enormous boner for Twinkie Elijah Wood. Wood. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking the faculty, everybody. And I think this is one of our most requested films to cover.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. Like, I almost had an epiphany when I was doing the rewatch. I thought, holy shit. This is Kevin Williamson, this is Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and this is a bevy of the most famous people. No wonder people love this movie and have talked about it all the time.
3: Yeah, I, re-watching it, because um, this is a movie that I watched a lot in my youth, and we'll get into that a bit after we introduce our guests, but um, I've seen this movie so many times.
2: Oh, God. Yeah.
3: And so yeah, to the point where I was watching and I was like, I could probably play this movie in my head if I wanted
2: to. Mm hmm. Quote it all the time. Know all of the double entendres, the rejoinders, the every action beat. Yes, pretty much. And yeah, this is I mean, it's one of those post scream
3: films. I'm not gonna say post scream slasher, even though it well, not really. I don't believe that. But, but but it is that winky winky nudge nudge meta meta that again some people don't like. But I, you, I feel like with this one, I never see people hating on the faculty. Like I've never met a person who's been like, I don't really like that movie that much. It's too obnoxious.
2: Uh, yeah. I feel like we're gonna get into it, but I don't know anybody who likes the ending. So oh, yeah, love no. the film and fucking hate the end. It's something that as I get older, I like less
3: and less. Like honestly, yes. I just want to I want to go back and be like, Rodriguez, you edited this. Can you please cut off this coda? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we'll have a lot to say. But yeah, so before we get into the meat of the matter, um, we do have a guest to introduce everyone. So, she is a prolific drag queen, comedian, singer, and special correspondent for Hap's News with a special interest in all things horror. She's actually also the co-host of the hilarious queer horror podcast, My Spooky Gay Family, which Joe and I did guest on uh, last year? Yeah, last year. Yeah. I'm like, what year is it? I don't know. She also performed the iconic single Baba Shook, which is something that Joe and I used as an introduction to the horror queers articles that originated this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Everyone, please welcome Pissy Miles.
0: Hello, friends. (laughs) Hello. I'm so excited to be
3: here. Oh, so we're so happy to have you on. We've been trying to get you on. Well, I mean, you were always going to come on to begin (laughs) with, but I'm glad that you came on for this movie.
0: (laughs) Me too, because I reached out to Joe and I was like, hey, I just wanted to check in, like, what were you thinking as far as episodes? And he was like, okay, great. He's like, it's good that you brought this up. And he sent me a list of all these movies. And I was like, <laughs> I was going through it. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. And then I saw The Faculty and I was like, sold. You got it, You got me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of this
3: era. And I feel like our audience is a wide range of ages. But a lot of the people we have on the show are kind of in this demographic where it's like we a lot of us grew up with this mid to late 90s horror and i mean again like i said this is a part of my queer sexual awakening but this is also a huge this movie is a huge part of my development as a horror fan this is actually the first R rated movie i ever saw so it's like always there in my mind
1: hmm.
0: this is wait this was the first R rated movie you ever saw I was in fifth grade,
3: so I would have been, what, 11 years old, probably? And my mom, like, didn't go out of town very much, but for some reason, like, that week, she was out of town visiting her mother in Louisiana, and my dad had rented this from Blockbuster, and he watched it, and what my dad would do when I was growing up, because I couldn't watch these movies, is he would just tell me the plot. Like, basically what Joe does in our episodes, he would do that beat for beat, (laughs) and just tell (laughs) me what happened. So I knew what was going to happen in this movie going in, but when my mom had to make, like, an impromptu trip to Louisiana, I remember... He called me upstairs, and he has the VHS, like the blockbuster case, in his hand. And he's like, Trace, I will let you watch this movie, but you have to promise me you will not tell anyone about it. Not your mother, not your sister, not one of your friends. No way that this can get back to your mother and fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, yeah. And my sister was like at a friend's house and he was like, but listen, if Haley comes home, we have to stop it and you can't bitch about it. And I was like, okay, like, that's fine. And I literally went and like locked the doors. <laughs> and there was a point in the middle when my sister did come home and I literally went to the door and was like, hey, can you come back later? Go back to your friend's house. <laughs> you are
0: not very good at keeping secrets you know like, there's I, nothing to see here but you can't come in yeah
3: like i'm sorry uh like <laughs> the glass door and i'm just like um you have to go like <laughs> you can't stay here i i'm like, having a defining moment i'm watching my first r-rated movie i can't do this shit <laughs>
2: don't come in Haley. i'm watching pornography it's definitely <laughs> pornography it's not a horror
3: film i'm a little, she would have been nine so this is an 11 year old talking to a nine year old <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, and this is also, like, uh, when I started writing for Bloody Disgusting, the first article that I had a byline on was asking people, like, what was your first R-rated movie? And this was the first thing I ever wrote about for Bloody Disgusting as well. Really? Boy, it all just comes back to the faculty, doesn't it? Really does. And you can all thank my dad for that. But enough about me. Um, I know that both, I mean, I, I know Joe does for sure. Pissy, I don't know about you, but, like, wait, what What are y'all's, like,
0: connections to this movie? This movie was it was kind of a, a strange one for me because I was I was like the exact opposite of you. <laughs> I had seen like a million R-rated <laughs> movies at this point. My fam my mom just like did not give a shit what I watched unless there was like nudity. Uh, yeah.
3: Isn't that the American way, right? Is, <laughs> Absolutely. The yeah. Way. Yes.
0: It really is. And by the way, I totally forgot that Joe you live in in Canada I until yeah. you you said something about <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, this is an international podcast.
3: It it, it is his about. You, I don't hear the sorry as much, but the the about he adds like an extra syllable to the vowel somewhere. <laughs> I don't. Hear it it, sure. And it
0: was so endearing. It was so charming. Mm-hmm. I am not making fun of you at all. It was oh just no, like it I caught me off guard. <laughs> but yeah, as a kid, my my mom would l- basically let me watch anything. I think the first r-rated movie and i think it's r if i'm not mistaken was jaws
2: no that movie is pg
0: <laughs> no it's not
2: it is because they didn't have the r rating when it came out no
0: no 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 no. they had the
3: r rating they didn't have pg-13 because PG oh, 13 didn't is. exist until 84 correct oh okay. so it was
0: either massive titties or no massive titties there was no in between <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> well then i guess it wasn't jaws maybe it was interview with a vampire
3: that is r-rated mm-hmm. that one is r
0: That one I remember distinctly, and that one did have boobies. And I remember actually the scene in the in the theater when you see them undress the woman. Mm -hmm. Nothing else in that movie bothered my mom or her husband. Oh my god! Except that the second that that happened, my stepdad like ran and stood in front of the TV, and I just remember not necessarily being interested in seeing the the boobs, Mm -hmm. but like interested enough that there was something he didn't want me to see. And I have a vivid memory of like trying to crawl through his legs to see what was on the TV.
2: (laughs) Dad, show me the titties. Come on.
0: That's actually
3: interesting because the first time I remember like my parents having a sit down with me about what I was about to see was Titanic. Oh, yeah. And I would have been eight when that came out. And so, and my sister's six. She didn't get to talk about boobs because she was a girl. But, yeah, I remember my parents like, oh, we want to go see Titanic as a family movie. And my mom had to sit me down. And they told me, just so you know, there's going to be a naked lady in this movie. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs>
2: oh, no.
0: This is when we all turn to our
2: parents and say, um,
0: I actually like cock. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Eight-year-old Trace is like, guess what? Oh my <laughs> Lord, could you imagine? Uh,
2: you know how there's a boobs magazine under Casey's bed? Well, mine is boner. Oh my god! No, I remember no flogging the bishop, which is a phrase that his dad mm-hmm. says to him in this movie. By the way, Joe.
3: Oh, oh wait, no, we haven't covered Christopher McDonald recently, but that's Christopher McDonald. <laughs> yes. No, I,
0: I recognized him immediately. Good.
3: <laughs> so i'm sorry pissy continue your story
0: <laughs> well I, and that's pretty much where it ends as far as seeing r-rated movies but then you know i i had a lot of experience and at this point when this came out i had definitely seen scream and mm-hmm. was right. terrified and i was too young to be like following a director right mm-hmm. but i knew that this movie felt like scream somehow and obviously now we know that that's because of of kevin williamson yes. but at the time there was just kind of a feel about this movie that felt endearing and fun and as a little kid it's scary as an adult you watch it and you're like, what is this? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
3: more fun than anything, right? Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. It's like a thrill ride. I was telling Joe, I messaged him, I was about an hour in, and I was like, this movie's paced really well because at the hour mark, that's when john Stewart gets the pin in his eye. And I was like, I feel like there's so much more of this movie left and it's like <laughs> over halfway over. It feels like it's barely been on. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I know. And that's kind of the beauty of, of this movie is it, it kind of has the same burn as a movie like Scream where it's like, Mm -hmm. it has a lot of action, a lot of stuff happens. But by the time you're like, my God, like where, where the fuck is this going? You're only halfway through and you're like, how am I an hour in? Yeah. Kevin Williamson is just so good at writing movies that are spaced out just perfectly. Mm Yes, one of my favorite things about him as a writer.
3: Yes. I I I think we'll have a lot to say about that because I mean, More so than in Scream, there's very much explicit, like, queer mentions in this film. And Mm -hmm. I I think there's a lot to talk about, again, with that coda that Joe and I were complaining about earlier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh yeah,
2: people just latch on to Stokely in this film, and people have a lot of feelings and thoughts.
3: I will say that I remember having a pink sweater at the end of this movie, so I was very pleased to see that it was at
2: least just, like, a muted purple. It's like a lavender, baby. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I was like, Stokely would never. Never. I mean, Stokely would fucking never. No. She would be making fun of the girl at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm.
0: I forgot about the coda of this movie. Like, I I remembered, and, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, yeah. but I I remembered Stokely, like, coming around and secretly having a crush on Stan. Mm-hmm. And I remembered them, like, getting back together. Not back together. Getting together. But there was this awful moment when I was watching it and it showed her standing there in that awful sweater. And and, yeah. and it's like, oh, you f- you have a crush on a boy and all of a sudden you're not goth anymore? Like, yeah. this is mm-hmm. stupid.
3: Yeah, uh, yes. I, I And uh, yes, <laughs> I have so many <laughs> thoughts about this. It's a
2: complete character betrayal. She looks like one of the sorority girls from Scream 2. She might as well be Portia de Rossi. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So,
2: okay, so, so,
3: Joe, yeah, before we get into that, because I feel like we're going to have to talk about, well, obviously, but um, yeah, what about you? <laughs> I think you love this movie even more than
2: us. I do really like this movie. Yeah. I uh, definitely saw it on opening weekend. I guess I'm a little bit older than the pair of you because <laughs> I definitely knew that this was from Kevin Williamson. The thing that struck me as weird is that this is a Christmas release, which is universally a terrible time to release a horror film, but I went on (laughs) Boxing Day, which is a holiday in Canada. It's the day after Christmas, so typically everybody gets the day off. You're not really beholden to spend the day with your family. A lot of people will go shopping or catch up on Christmas releases. So I definitely went, checked the fuck out of this, and absolutely loved it. I thought it was such a great movie, just in terms of the dialogue, the characters. The funny thing is, in hindsight... I only recognized a couple of the adult cast members because I really wasn't hugely deep into horror. Like I was watching a lot of the slasher films that were coming out at the time, but I didn't recognize Piper Laurie from Carrie Mm. So the weirdest casting choice for me in this movie is actually B.B.
3: Newworth as mm-hmm. the principal, because I only knew her as the aunt from Jumanji, but she's actually a big Broadway star. So
0: that's what I was going to say. I knew her as Velma Kelly. Yes. And yes. I was like, I, I was like, Oh my God, Velma Kelly's the principal. And I was like, I wonder if she's going to sing.
2: And then you're like, no, they're just going to have her wear a very short skirt so that you can see those games.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, she
3: looks, so I've actually, I mean, I've stood next to B.B. Newworth on my first trip. It was a high school theater trip to New York. She is maybe five feet tall. She is the shortest person you'll ever see. <laughs> oh, actors always are. And the funny thing is that she's not the shortest person in this movie. Well, do, okay, does, I'm sorry, we're going to finish your story, Joe, but doesn't Elijah Wood look like he's really tall in this
0: movie? Especially next to B.B. Newworth.
3: Yes, <laughs> yeah. and he is not. No. I, I have also stood next to Elijah Wood many times because he's a frequent attendee of Fantastic Fest here in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, and he is also very short. No shade. I love him. I want to do many things to him consensually, but, (laughs) but, but he's very short. (laughs) He is. Yes.
2: I mean, I think this is the curse of Hollywood actors. We always think that they're regular height or taller. And then you see them in real life and you're like, Oh, I could fit you in a pocket. Yeah.
0: I love that. You said, we always think they're regular height. Like, Like, like they keep them in boxes until the next movie.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> pristine condition <laughs> Don't let any of the actors get injured in between movies.
0: Exactly. They just wrap them in tissue paper and put ugh. them away. And then one day they pull them out and they do a sequel.
2: I always think of people like, uh, what was it? I think Tina Turner had her legs insured at one point, And I just think celebrities are not like us.
1: No.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do live in an, another existence. I mean, it's the thing. When you have so many eyes on you. And now in the age of social media, too, like, oh, I can't even imagine being a celebrity and being on social media. Mm -hmm. oh
0: absolutely not
2: can you imagine having josh hartnett's haircut in this movie and being on social media (laughs) which by the way was uh, he had the same hairstylist as courtney cox in scream 3 it's the exact same thing (laughs) or at least halloween h2o which of course he was filming at the same time
3: yeah so technically halloween h2o was his first movie but because Mm -hmm. it was he filmed it mostly first but yeah it came out like what three or four months before
2: this Anyway, okay, sorry, Joe, continue your story. (laughs) I mean, the the story is just, I, I felt like I got in on the ground level with this movie, and I really liked it, and I was so disappointed when it tanked, because I just thought, oh, okay, well... I mean, for sure, we never got a sequel, but it also just meant that people kind of forgot that it existed for a very long time. But then I joked at the end of last week's episode on Mirror Mirror that this film has been covered by fucking everyone. So even though there isn't a lot of writing, and I don't know that a lot of normies pay attention to it, I feel like in the horror community, people really like this movie. See,
3: it's interesting to me that you say it, Tank, because this will be a good tra- transition into my brief production history. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically the only thing I really know because everyone in case you don't know, every fucking physical release of this movie has no extra features unless You're you have so the DVD. Bad. You're so bad. <laughs> it does have a theatrical trailer. So, I bought the Blu-ray for this movie this week because I had the DVD and it's a full screen presentation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh baby, fill that screen. Cut off those
2: edges. Ooh, yeah.
3: And so I was <laughs> like, okay, yeah, let me buy the Blu-ray which comes with not even the trailer. <laughs> And I'm going to try to get this audio for you when you edit, Joe, but there is, <laughs> the main menu of this Blu-ray is just showing footage from the um, the Jon Stewart eyeball scene. Okay. Paired with it is the weirdest music. I called it poor music because it kind of has the bow-chicka-bow-bow-bow-chicka-bow-bow-bow. Um, but then it co- turns into harmonica music, so it's like New Orleans jazz. Yeah. And then there's people cheering at the end and clapping before the menu <laughs> restarts.
0: <laughs> It's like if Blues Traveler hosted a porno event. Kind of. Oh. I was
3: literally like, well, I, I put it on when I was like, I'm the dishwasher before I went to go start the movie. And
2: I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> is it meant to simulate this, the band at the football game or some ridiculous nonsense like that? I don't
3: think so. Anyway, so yeah, so this movie actually got its start in 1990. Um, David Wechter and Bruce Kimmel wrote a first draft of the script and sent it out, but no one bought it. So if you're a screenwriter in Hollywood, just remember this movie comes out in 1998, so we got
2: an eight-year gap here. Basically, you just have to wait for Kevin Williamson to get famous, and then he'll touch up your script, and then you'll become famous, right? Yeah, well, kind of, because again, Kevin Williamson is
3: the sole credited screenwriter of this film, so... It wasn't until after Scream success, which again, that would have been late 96, like December. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was why they released it on Christmas Day, because Scream and Scream 2 had early December releases and did really well. I think if they released the faculty a few weeks earlier, it probably would have done better.
2: Nothing says spend time with your family and the birth of baby Jesus like going to see kids get like slug shot into their faces.
3: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, after Scream, Miramax bought the script for the faculty, rushed it into production, which I'm also thinking, like, who is the person who's reading all these scripts who's like, oh
2: yeah, where's that script from 1990 that we turned down? That would do really well. Karen, check the slash file. I remember something with teenagers from eight (laughs) years ago.
3: So they brought in Kevin Williamson to do rewrites. They kept the basic story, but he basically rewrote all the dialogue, added new characters to make it more quote-unquote hip, which... (laughs) I think, maybe y'all can correct me, but I think the DVD of this does have a quote that says, like, fun, hip, and scary. Or maybe that's, like, screen two or something. something like that, yeah. (laughs) And it's basically just like, yes, we also watch John Hughes films. Yes. Uh, It's, like, something from Fox TV or ABC TV. That's the kind of critics that get those things. Hmm. Williamson was going to direct this film, so this was going to be his directorial debut, but he chose not to, so he could direct his self-penned script, Killing Mrs. Tingle, which of course would become Teaching Mrs. Tingle after the Columbine shootings.
2: Mm-hmm. Once again, go back to our Halloween H2O episode, we do talk about that a
3: little bit. And that episode's actually an audio commentary on our Patreon, so go subscribe to listen to that episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, the wine scenes brought in Robert Rodriguez to direct the film. And at this point, he only really, w- I mean, only would have been known. Like, his breakout was El Mariachi. Right. But he, he would have done From Dust Till Dawn by this point, which was also a Dimension release. So I think that they were just like, hey, let's give Rodriguez something to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And maybe I'll disagree, but, like, I, I do know... Rodriguez like I mean not personally I I met I've interviewed him but like I know
2: his films I was gonna say you want us to disagree that you know him no no, no. 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 I don't think you know this man just because he lives in Austin
3: but this feels the least like a rubber Rodriguez film to me oh I disagree with that yeah really yeah okay I think it's just because I, I think Rodriguez normally writes a lot of his own stuff so I think maybe the Kevin Williams of it all makes it feel less like a Rodriguez film but I'm interested to see what stylistic touches you're gonna bring
0: in I also think it depends on which Robert Rodriguez movie you're comparing it to. Right. You know, if you're, if you're yeah. comparing it to From Dusk Till Dawn, it's super different in, in my eyes. But in a strange way, it's kind of like Spy Kids.
2: I was thinking, yeah, it's kind of like an amalgamation between his adult fare and his children's fare.
0: Yeah, it kind of falls in between. It's like the PG-13 of his career, even there though it's go. an R. Even though it's
2: R-rated. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> dropping F-bombs <laughs> like crazy in this movie.
0: Not on network television. Mm. That was actually, that's actually one of my favorite notes. After the scene in the garage when they realized that- Oh my God,
3: I know what you were going to say. Please continue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> After the scene in the garage when they realized that the scat, which we're also going to talk about- Oh my God. Kills the aliens. And they're in the driveway and Delilah has gotten away. Mm-hmm. Josh Hartnett turns around and screams fuck. Phooey! But But <laughs> on network TV, they change it to- phooey oh, and it's like best. one of my favorite Terrible. it is one of my favorite parts about watching this movie on network television
3: <laughs> yes no so 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 yeah it's after delilah leaves that's the big Fooey. and also when stan dumps it when they're at the gym he also right. says Fooey then because <laughs> i feel like josh
2: hartnett is the one dropping all the f-bombs in this movie too
0: and all the Fooeys. Pissy,
3: that makes me so happy that that's a recollection you have of this movie, because literally every time I watch this, whenever, because it, it, it's such a build-up for him saying fuck, and in my head, every <laughs> single time, I just feel in fooey for what he says.
0: Because it's so much better. Who walked <laughs> out? No, to... It is not. Oh, yes, it is. When he, like, when he screams fuck, it's like anyone screams fuck, but nobody knows a, a well, I was going to say 17-year-old, but what is he, like, 30 at this point? He's on, on his 16th year of, as a senior. He's, he just turns around and screams, Fooey. And I was like, nobody has said Fooey in like 40 years. So you need to fucking cool it.
2: Okay. So, petition to bring back Fooey. Everyone, it's aces. It's totally Rufus. I want everybody to start spreading it <laughs> okay. around. Totally Rufus, man. That brings me
3: back. Never been kissed. Five star film. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> There's your subtitle, too, Fooey. That's the subtitle for this episode. Got it. So yeah, um, this film, so I mean, honestly, it's filmed kind of in my neck of the woods. So even though it takes place in Ohio, it is shot in Austin, San Marcos, Dallas, and Lockhart. And all of those are in the same area except for Dallas. That's really I don't know where that was because Dallas is 3 hours away from all these places. Hmm. And it opens yes, Christmas Day 1998 and it has a 15 million dollar budget. Now, it does go on to gross 40.3 million, which is why I'm slightly contesting your uh your suggestion that it tanked. Mm-hmm. I do think it underperformed yes. compared to something like Scream and it, I think it made like 30 million less than I know you did last summer. But it still made almost three times its budget back just domestically. There wasn't an international release for this.
2: So I agree with you. I think that that's the public perception. Like that is the story that we have told ourselves since 1998 because it came out. I remember reading box office reports being like, well, this number isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And it was 100% in comparison to Williamson's other films and the expectations that Dimension had this massive hit on their hands. I
3: think that's fair. So yeah, I, I want to paint a picture for y'all of what this weekend looked like at the box office, because I'm telling you, the tears were overflowing at the cinemas Christmas weekend of 1998. Okay, Bob Ross this for us. The faculty first, <laughs> of all, it opens in the number five spot with $11.6 million. So yeah, right. I mean, I, I see it opens in number five, it doesn't climb. Again. I think it drops again to like eight the next week, and then it's out. Oh, sure. But that it somehow clawed its way to 40 million, I find quite impressive. The number one movie of Christmas Day that year was Patch Adams with $25 million.
2: (laughs) That thing was a juggernaut. We're laughing, but that movie made a shit ton of money. It
3: does. And I have lots of thoughts about that movie because it is very emotionally manipulative. And it also throws in a, hey, Monica Potter was um, raped by someone. Also, we're going to kill her because she tries to like... Whoa, sorry. She was raped by someone which closed her off against human connection. And the second that she does make a human connection, the guy murders
2: her for it. So... (laughs) So we've 100% talked about that before, and I can't recall why this would have ever come up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know either, Joe, but we're going to keep it in again because people have to know.
0: (laughs) People (laughs)
2: need to know. They have a right to know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just like your only mission in life is to take down Patch Adams. I love that that's <laughs> it's a movie that
3: I, I actually liked as a kid because I went to go see this in fucking theaters and I cried my eyes out every time Monica Potter dies. But then, like, I, I remember Wikipedia the plot like later in life and I was like, oh, she was molested by her father, which led into her whole thing. And then we're the movie just gonna kill her off the second she like decides to. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm angry.
2: Yeah, once again,
3: <laughs> not a Patch Adams podcast. <laughs> What else you got? But giving us more tears, the number two movie, which is also in its first weekend, is Chris Columbus's Stepmom with $19 Mm. million. A movie I do really like, actually, even though it also is very emotionally manipulative. I mean,
2: tis the season. This is the holiday season. These are family-friendly pictures. Lots of tears.
3: Yeah. So, number three and four, we've got You've Got Mail and The Prince of Egypt, both in their second weekend. Hmm. Which, I mean, they're both good. Uh, then The Faculty. But there was one other new release this weekend that did worse than The Faculty. And it actually was a bomb. Uh, this is Disney's Mighty Joe Young, starring Bill Paxton and Charlize Theron. Yeah. yeah, it's really boring. I don't like that movie.
0: I never even saw Mighty Joe Young. The idea just never appealed to me. I think the
3: budget was $50 million and it made, like, $55 million. <laughs> 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 I saw it in theaters. So that's what I was doing when Joe was, when y'all were seeing the faculty, I was actually in theaters watching Mighty Joe Young and Stepmom. Now that's your mistake. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, that's really all I have. I mean, critics, um, so we're looking at a 52% of Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 5.5 out of 10. Boo. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that's honestly a little bit better than what I thought it was gonna be like it had a decent i mean for what this movie is it's a decent critical reception i guess i don't know um letterboxd we're looking at a 6.4 out of 10 and uh yeah that's kind of it i feel like we're gonna have more to talk about the cast and stuff as we get to the characters so oh for sure yeah i'll let you take it away
2: all right So we begin with an opening tease involving Royd Ragey Football, Coach Willis, played by the one and only T-1000 himself, Robert Patrick. Uh, We get, yeah, two cold opens in this movie, by the way. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I love that fade to black because I was like, all right, and cue the title. Nope. Oh, right. We got to get the Principal Drake attack sequence. Which,
3: that's the most slashery aspect of this film, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Because at that point, we still don't even know what's going on. We just know that uh, the coach is attacking her. Mm Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. true.
2: But I do love this as a table setting device, right? Like this opening with her meeting the other faculty members. Of course, so Miss Drake is played by B.B. Newworth, And we were here introduced to Miss Olsen, who is played by Piper Laurie. And mm-hmm. then we've also got Mr. Tate, who is played by Daniel Von Bargen, And he is half of that Lord of Illusions reunion. I was I going to
3: say, because I, I, I knew he was from Lord of Illusions, but I honestly forgot that Famke Jensen... <laughs>
0: was in Lord of Illusions, Uh so that,
3: everyone go listen to our episode on that, because I clearly forgot about it. Well, I mean, nobody watched that movie, so you're forgiven, for sure. One thing that always gets me, okay, actually, I'm sorry, before we even get into the plot, so, don't y'all think it's a little obvious that Mary Beth is the the queen in this movie? I
2: never put it together until the end, the first time I saw it.
0: I mean, the first time I saw it, I was so young, it was like, Mm -hmm. it could have been anybody in in my mind, because I was just a little idiot, but... Watching it now, it is a little more apparent. The it's... only thing that does throw you off, and I think they realized that yeah. and had to throw in the scene in the garage.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, so cause, you know, we, we get the flashback and we see her nostrils close up and we see her little pinky turn into a CGI alien. <laughs> thing. I love it! But every time I rewatch this movie, during the actual scene, I'm like, okay, I'm looking for this fucking finger. Let me see this. There is no no finger.
0: Absolutely not. (laughs) Second
2: unit team, we need an insert right here. That is not Laura Harris, but somebody else is going to play that finger.
3: But even though, so we know it's Mary Beth, but I also like, so once you know that, with this opening scene where, again, it's her walking, the coach is the first one she infects, Mm -hmm. his reaction to her is,
0: yeah what
3: Mm -hmm. and i'm like i don't think that this man would be talking to this girl like this like i know he's supposed to be a hard ass but i think he'd be like kind of rapey to be honest
0: yeah that was kind of the impression i had i mean with or without aliens in his face he's probably a bag of dicks so oh for sure (laughs) this guy probably watching and we have to assume when she got there there's a at least she's halfway naked, decent right? chance she was naked yeah
3: <laughs> she's just walking on the football field totally naked
0: yeah
2: that's how i always imagined it too
0: i, I see i'm not alone in this <laughs>
3: okay wait so okay uh, y'all y'all are so y'all are thinking then that she just arrived on this planet when she gets the coach in 100%. my mind i'm like okay well she got to the planet she had to get a house she has to like build up cardboard no, figurines for her parents she doesn't like, have a house <laughs> what are you talking about
2: <laughs> 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 she's made of slugs come on she's sleeping <laughs> in the pool
3: i guess it totally makes sense i just i i always imagined that she actually had a home and she was maybe there staking out the place for
2: a while before she makes her move oh my god alternative opening sequence it's just this naked alien perfecting <laughs> perfecting her accent being like well can you show me if there's is it an unfinished basement or like?
0: <laughs> i'm really looking for a third bedroom yeah I will say that I have,
3: I I do, ha- I know it doesn't matter because it's a stupid movie. I mean, it's it's a good movie, but it's a silly one. But um, I do have some logic questions, specifically also even when she's in the pool, I'm like, that's like a lot of chlorine in
2: that pool. That's gonna dry you out. Oh, I don't yeah. think that that would help you. No, no, this is a movie where it's better to just go with it and not think too too much about the
0: logistics. No. <laughs> Yeah, because science really doesn't matter in this movie. (laughs) Oh, no,
2: no. Well, it's because they killed the science teacher. Exactly. I mean, he was a shitty science teacher as well. (laughs) Let's be clear. Anyway, what we're meant to take away from this is obviously, yes, that Coach Willis is not the nicest of men, but also that this school only cares about football like i love all of this you know financial stuff where it's just like nope nobody cares about any of the programming it doesn't matter that you're probably decent educators don't turn on the air conditioning we don't have bottled water and no one is getting out of ohio but yes jockstraps kevin williamson has introduced jockstraps into this movie within three minutes
0: (laughs) to be fair my experience in high school was pretty similar Oh, yeah. Like, Man. this is a pretty American high school. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
3: very... So, wh- where did you grow up, Pissy?
0: I grew up in a small fictional town in New Jersey. And... <laughs> it, it... <laughs> It was very much the same, you know. I was a theater kid, and mm-hmm. and all my friends were in the art clubs and, and all kinds of things like that. And for us, they'd be like, "Here's seven dollars in a wish list." Mm-hmm. And then for the football team that literally never won a game, I don't think in the history of my school even existing they've won a game or even come close. And they would just throw money at these guys, and it yeah. was like the quality of your your sports team does not matter. It just matters that you are a sports team. Right. It's team spirit y'all come
3: on yeah i was bullied growing up. i mean i'm sure a lot of us were bullied we're all queer hmm. i didn't have the experience that casey had where he is being pulled
2: into a flagpole and having his <laughs> balls mangled yeah that's a bit aggressive that that is one of those things where you think were we really okay with this back in
0: 98 it was yeah. also like strangely kinky
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: you know what i mean
3: yeah i mean look Growing up, I masturbated a lot to Elijah Wood, specifically from this movie, because I just find him adorable and I love him in this movie. And that's it. That's my story. That is not a story, sir. That is an anecdote.
0: But he's sticking to it. Uh,
3: no, so just honestly for me. I mean, I think Elijah Wood has always been attractive, but like for some reason, whenever I fantasize about him, uh, it's always this this seventeen year old
1: version. <laughs>
0: To be fair, I will agree with you. I had a huge crush on Elijah Wood. Mm -hmm. And later, even a bigger crush on him in Lord of the Rings. Like, there was something about... It's hair. Yeah, there was something about, like... And his eyes. I mean, he had the craziest eyes. Mm -hmm. But I also remember, and I kind of regret this now looking back on it, but at the time, I had a huge crush on Josh Hartnett as well.
3: I think everyone did.
0: (laughs) anyone who like was tall and had a pulse i was like sold i'm in
2: i'm going to climb that tree yeah exactly
0: <laughs> i was i was buying like grappling equipment yeah. and so <laughs> this this movie definitely intrigued me you know who surprisingly did not really do much for me was sean and i do not know how to it's pronounce Had H- i was gonna say oh. oh
3: okay I, i've whatever it, it, it stan it's stan <laughs> stan
0: <laughs> exactly
3: uh no I'll, I'll actually co-sign with you on that i will say that on a rewatch this week i actually found him more endearing than i ever have in a previous rewatch and previous
2: watches oh i've always liked him
0: yeah, he's he's definitely likable. I'm just talking in terms of, like, being What's... a horny 13-year-old right. and, like, the does attraction. personality matter? The yeah. answer is absolutely not. Like, I found Zeke attractive. And yeah. oh, sure. watching this back, it's like there's literally nothing attractive about this person. But, um... <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> Zeke is kind of a garbage human being, for sure. Yeah, but there was a moment where hole. he's escaped out of the car after having decapitated Miss Burke. And <laughs> there's a moment where his shirt rides up and you can see the cum gutters and, like, the jeans have been pulled down a little bit. So you're getting, like, a hint of top ass. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Because Josh Hartnett is very attractive, but the character of Zeke is just absolutely not. He's a garbage human, yeah. Absolute trash.
3: But but he's a genius, right? Like, he, he's like a savant almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Okay, so maybe let's yeah. let's get back on track here. Yeah, so 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 back to our, hor- our slasher opening. No, let's, well, okay, do we have sorry. things
2: that we want to say or shall we just move on? Sorry,
3: I just want to say, so I don't find this movie scary, but there is one thing that I do find genuinely scary in the opening. And it's when she's made it to the window mm-hmm. and we hear his whistle coming from down the hall as he mm-hmm. just runs in this room and beelines her. Mm-hmm. There's something just very scary about that. And luckily she, like, scratches him and gets away. But um, I've always found that as a very, like, actually genuinely scary moment in this movie.
0: That's totally fair. Because I I agree. I do think that's probably the scariest, scariest scene, if not in the movie, at least in the opening. Mm-hmm. I also... There's something about... And this is a very Kevin Williamson kind of scare. And in a way, kind of a James Wan scare as well. Where... Coach Willis is is chasing her and, and Principal Drake finally gets out the door and locks it. And then Mrs. Olsen yeah. takes the scissors and kills her. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, fuck.
2: You thought you were safe? No, it's a second danger.
0: Yeah, we broke the tension and then created a whole brand new tension. And that's one of my favorite moments of the opening. It, it reads a bit like Scream. It has that mm-hmm. same kind of like, you're just about safe. You're just about done. And then you're not.
3: The first student we're introduced to is Stan. And then the Cult Open is all with the titular faculty. And that's actually one thing, again, even rewatching it, where I'm like, oh, I actually wish we had more with the faculty because mm-hmm, I actually yeah. find a lot of them very interesting. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. But obviously, it's a teenage movie. So like we were focusing on the teenagers. But yeah, I want more Famkey Jensen. I want more BB Newworth. I want more Piper Lurie. I, I want more Piper Lurie fucking throwing water in her face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was such a great moment I had totally forgotten about it and I was like she looks just like me when it's when when I'm like at the very end of my show and they're like last call and I'm like nailed it well so next time you do a show
3: just wear that Piper Laurie wig and foundation the fuck out of your face and then yeah get a little cone of water and throw it in your face and for your audience
0: Uh, yeah water sure yeah I was gonna say definitely not vodka (laughs) I I think throwing vodka in my face would A, get me arrested on the drive home, and B, basically be like the gay club version of pepper spray. Like, I basically am just macing myself.
2: (laughs) Officer, I swear I'm not driving drunk. I'm just a drag (laughs) performer with really bad aim.
0: Who's Mm. covered in vodka?
2: Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. So yeah, so we're done with the cold open.
3: We have title card introductions, though.
2: Yes, we do. And that's actually the thing that I think is the most Robert rodriguez of this entire movie is this introduction where we meet all of these characters and we get these super stylized title cards for each one of them. It's iconic. So I feel like in a lot of lesser
3: horror movies, it's easy to forget someone's names. Like, I mean, I know, obviously, like for some people like, you know, that grew up with like certain films. Like, oh, yeah, I, I could name every character. Mm-hmm. Sure. Congratulations for you. Yeah, but I also do think it's like, well, A, I like that we get the help. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, because this is obviously modeled after, like you said, Joe, something like a John Hughes film, most noticeably, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Because they're all in these obvious, like, stock roles, it's like, I could tell you everyone's name in this movie, except for Usher's name. I don't know what Usher's name is, it's Gabe.
2: Okay, if you say so. (laughs) I only know because at one point, Sean Hatosi says, like, Hey, Gabe, what's up? And I'm just like, Usher is not a Gabe. Like, they needed to just call him Usher.
0: It was strange, because that might be the only time in the movie someone says his name, but he appears quite a bit, and it's like, nobody ever called this kid by his name. It was so strange to me, because I was watching it, and I totally missed that they called him Gabe, and I was like, what? who the fuck is this kid? Does he even go here? I had no idea who he was.
3: This was Usher's film like debut. This is his yeah. first film he ever did, and I'm sure they got a lot of marketing out of that, but I can only imagine Usher fans going to this and being like, oh, I thought he was going to be in this movie more.
2: Well, speaking of marketing, I mean, Pissy, you said, oh, he's in a bunch of these scenes, but I don't even know his character name. At least he did better than that other girl who was also in the Tommy Hilfiger campaign that surrounded this film with key cast members. There's a girl who appears in one scene. She's actually behind Usher in the science room, and she's in the full Tommy Hilfiger campaign, and then they cut her out of the movie completely. Oh, no! (laughs) It's like... I hope your modeling career took off, because... <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. W- what was the Tommy
3: Hilfiger campaign? Oh my god, Trace. I was eight! <laughs>
2: oh, eleven. I was eleven! <laughs> oh, well, the story is already changing, sir. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this movie, and I'm basically drawing on memory, but also... The Faculty of Horror in their episode, Alex West, covers this in pretty significant detail because this is where the consumerism element I find deeply concerning about The changes that happen at the end of the film tie into the real world marketing because this cast is entirely outfitted throughout this entire film in Tommy Hilfiger clothes. (laughs) And they had a massive promotional campaign that accompanied this film where nearly every cast member appeared in Tommy Hilfiger commercials and print campaigns, including this poor girl. And (laughs) Usher is like front and center in this campaign. And it's deeply problematic that the film doesn't actually care about him as a character. pissy you couldn't even remember his name because he doesn't really get that much to do. But I think it's really telling that the film seemingly cast Usher and then used him to market itself in order to lure in urban quote-unquote audiences.
0: Yeah, and then cut him out of the whole fucking thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't know whether or not he was actually a bigger part. Like this other girl, it's like she apparently did have scenes, and then they were just like, "Nope." But uh, whoops, it's just weird to me because this film is pretty fucking white. Like we've got Jordana Brewster, we've got Joel from Scream Two. So Jordana Brewster is actually
3: white passing because she's half Brazilian.
2: Well, that's why I said that
3: we've got oh, her yeah, yeah. and we've got
2: usher. Uh,
1: sure.
3: <laughs> that was a new fact that I learned because there's a, there's, there's like a piece of trivia on IMDb that, where she goes, oh, I'm Portuguese. It's like, well, actually, she's half Brazilian, so she does speak fluent Portuguese.
2: <laughs> oh God, IMDb trivia. Go back in your hole. <laughs> And one thing I'd like to potentially discuss at the end of this is what we would do to change this film if we could modernize it a little bit. And I do Mm -hmm. think that's one of the things I would want to see is like, I know it's supposed to be Ohio. And like, we've got a character who's literally named Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, which is like the whitest (laughs) shit I've ever heard in Um, my life. And she
3: she says her
2: full name every Every single time.
3: Every time. That's That's how you know she's 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 an alien. alien. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like, I just think this film's treatment of race is not particularly good, and I feel icky when I think about the marketing campaign with Usher.
3: I mean, like we, we discussed in The Forsaken a couple weeks ago, like it's very much a product of its time, and mm-hmm. yes, like I, I think it's important to acknowledge that today through a 2021 lens, but again, like am I surprised that that was what was happening no. in
2: 1998? No. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's what we did, right? It's the reason why we got LL Cool J in Halloween H2O. Um. Yeah, but he actually
3: Deep Blue Sea remedied all that because he gets shit to do, and in, and in Deep Blue Sea. I was just gonna yeah. bring
0: up Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, we're shifting gears. This is this is now a podcast about Deep Blue Sea. We are do- we are done with the faculty.
3: Oh man, we are all on the same page. I
2: love it. I love it. But also, we've already covered Deep Blue Sea. It's another audio commentary on Patreon. (laughs) On the Patreon! (laughs) Plug, plug, plug. Plug it, plug it up, plug it up. Okay. Okay, so yes. Um, yes. Who else do
3: we get, Joe? So we're
2: introduced to um, basically everybody, as you said, Trace, they've all got their kind of like stereotypical things. So we've got geeky Stephen King kid, Elijah Wood playing Casey. Uh, We've got Delilah, the first class grade A bitch, Jordana Brewster. I love Jordana Brewster. I think she's great. I want to see her in more things
3: again watching it on this rewatch i was like man she is an irredeemable character like oh she's such a huge bitch horrible horrible character <laughs> like she so gets mean. an
0: attempted redemption at the end and no, i was like why absolutely not yeah, i no. hate it Again, we'll get to it. But it was one of those moments where I was like, why the fuck are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: No, and I, I think a big problem with it is because we don't know when she gets infected. I'd like to believe it's overnight because like when, when the weird scare when Casey no, sees it's them out the foot. fingers mm-hmm. in
2: the science lab. Wait, you think she gets infected there? A hundred percent. She also gets pulled back by Mary Beth. So she's got it like from two different angles. Uh, oh my
3: god, that would actually make sense. See, I thought she, I, I thought, I thought it was like, oh, she comes back the next day and she's already um infected. So that makes sense,
0: huh? But usually when they're infected, don't they? They have like kind of a they, they become like kind of in, incapacitated.
2: Yeah, but it happens relatively quickly if we're going by the reaction from the mouse.
1: Hmm.
3: yeah that's true I, mean, I love their they, they have their own things you know, it's like, oh you look very very pretty or I always wanted to do that which goes away after the first scene <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, But I think the issue is like, yeah, because we spend so little time with Delilah and we don't get any time with her afterwards, Mm -hmm. after the the, the invasion's gone. And I think that's really a big issue. Like, We don't get to see what happens across this month because the movie's already been on for an hour and 40 minutes. So it's like, we got to get out.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But I'll never forget, like, there's that moment where she's trying to recruit Casey in the school bus. And she says, I haven't felt this good since before my dad died. And I just think, oh my God, are we dropping character development well, but, but
3: because <laughs> she, she's,
2: she says earlier that her mom
3: drinks a lot, which I guess, yeah, is because her dad is dead. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's such an afterthought, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's as much as I grew up liking Delilah, I mean, liking in quotes, like, well, you love a bitch. She, I do, but she is the least developed character in this film outside of Usher.
2: Uh, Yeah, I, I will accept that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's tricky, right? We're trying to balance six kids and then like half a dozen faculty members, too. Mm hmm.
0: I would also argue that Nurse Harper doesn't get a fair a oh. fair development.
2: Yes, that's actually our final person of color. S- Selma yeah. <laughs> Hayek.
3: Well, she, her and Robert Rodriguez are besties because she was in El Mariachi and um mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, and, and from, and from Desperado. Dawn, and yeah. Des- Desperado from Desperado. Yeah. And so, but like, literally she gets infected and is
2: out of the movie. <laughs> Gone.
0: Never see her again.
2: I'm convinced that there's either some additional scenes, which is all likelihood, and maybe one day Screen Factory or somebody will pick this up mm. and give us a proper Blu-ray release. Mm. But uh, I definitely feel like Robert Rodriguez said, hey, I'm doing this fun movie. Do you want to swing by for a couple hours? Yeah,
3: pretty much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yes, we also have Stan, the jock on a Yellow Brick Quest for a Brain, played by Sean Hatosi, oh. drug dealer Zeke, <laughs> Josh Hartnett, Faux Lesbian Stokely, played by the one and only Clea Fucking Duval. Let's talk a little bit about Stokely,
3: because obviously yes. Her thing is though, she doesn't like people. She pretends to be a lesbian, so mm-hmm. people will leave her alone. <laughs> Said no gay kid ever. I know. It, 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 but it's written by a gay man. What I have found is that Stokely is the character that people latch onto the most in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, if people are familiar with this movie, they're like, oh my God, Stokely. But again, just thinking about it, I was like, oh, I don't really like that. Like, she has to pretend to be a lesbian so people leave her alone. I was like, yeah, you're right, though. Like, that. no, that gets you bullied. Although apparently only Delilah wants to bully Stokely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah
0: she do- I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume that everyone kind of feels that way about her, mm-hmm. but the only person you ever really see being cruel to her is Delilah. Mm-hmm. really like
3: over the top cruel, too. like she is mean to her.
0: yeah, bizarre yeah. and and because you know you you said earlier, I, I host my podcast with my sister Sam, mm-hmm. and Sam is a really big fan of Clea Duvall, if you know what I mean.
2: <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. And
0: so I would say if you were to ask Sam what her least favorite thing about this movie is,
2: 100%. it's
0: 100% that Clea Duvall is not actually a lesbian. Yeah. Like I have right. talked to her on several occasions about the fact that she is like, she's like, there is nothing more infuriating than the fact that she like plays gay the whole movie and like kind of baits, lesbian viewers. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then all of a sudden it's like now she's into Stan and it's like, well where the fuck did that come from?
3: Well and that's the thing, right? So the issue with the code is that she has done a complete like makeover. But Yes. It is let on very early that she is not gay, that she yeah. is interested in Stan. Mm-hmm. And you're right, though, because she is coded clearly as a lesbian, but the character does as well. But it's also the actress playing this character is a lesbian. And I don't, right. I don't know if she was out at the time, although. But I'm a cheerleader, it would have been the year after this, so she might have been actually. But yeah, I, I have so many mixed
2: feelings. But it's also one of those where it's like, well, it was 1998. Well, it's interesting, though, too, because I think people often end up reading this film like this is a very queer coded film, not just because we're talking about people disguising who they are in high school to get by and like issues of passing even with the Mary Beth character. But I feel like queer audiences often read Stokely and Casey as like queer yeah heroes even though they are very blatantly described as heterosexual because they are thirsting after stan and thirsting after delilah but there's something about these two that queer audiences are just like oh yeah no these are our people
0: yeah and and the one the one credit that i will give kevin williamson about this whole situation with stokely is that We we all know that the studio system is expansive and that there are so Mm -hmm. many different Mm -hmm. minds that go into the creation of these movies. I mean, this is 1998. Uh, Granted, this was probably written and filmed before this, but this was right right around the same time as Matthew Shepard. This was Mm -hmm. right around the same time that we saw Will and Grace coming into the scene. Ellen had only been out for less than a decade. This was a much different time in in queer history. We were starting to to see movies like The Birdcage and To Wong Fu and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and and things like that. But it was not as open as it is now. So this might have been the closest Kevin Williamson could come to getting a gay character in this movie. Mm -hmm.
3: You are correct. And actually, I want to commend you on your knowledge of time because this movie is released about four months after Will and Grace premieres and about two months after Matthew Shepard's death. Right. Jesus.
2: So So he had his finger on the pulse of what was happening within queer communities and so on. Right, but I mean,
3: again, by the time those things happen, like, you know, this movie's done, probably. Like, it's already been...
0: Yeah, it's been in the can.
3: (laughs) Oh, sure, but Will and Grace would have been, like,
2: green-lit well in advance, and...
3: You're right, but I also want to mention, so, I mean, again, because we don't know. Like, it could have been that, yes, maybe the wine scenes were like, oh, no, we don't want any gay content, but it also could have been Williamson as a gay man saying, I don't want to make this too gay because I don't want myself to be, like, I don't know, uh, not pigeonhole, but, like highlighted for this True. um because I want to keep my career going. Although maybe although he's doing Dawson's Creek and putting maybe TV's a safer place for gay TV's stories, it's <laughs>
2: definitely a different place. Yeah. I mean, I think it it's really notable though that this is the first completely explicit reference to queer sexuality in Williamson's filmography, like his film work up to this point. Yeah. So, you know, we've got the queer coding with Stu and Billy in Scream. We've got something going on with those sorority sisters in Scream 2. I know what you did last summer is not I really... know what you did last summer. There's not that much in there apart from like just how fucking awesome Helen Shivers is. Maybe Anne Haysh's like butch haircut. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then we get to this, right? Which is like, okay, she's not a lesbian wink wink nudge nudge.
3: And I think you're right about Casey, because I think that Casey, at least, I guess as a gay man, like whenever I see like the nerd that gets beat up by the jocks all the time, I just instinctively think queer coding because I'm okay, that's Mm. a gay kid. But Mm. you don't hear any like F slurs thrown around, right? No one. Does anyone ever call
2: Casey gay? I don't think so. They antagonize him in the change room, but not with that kind of descriptive language.
3: Oh, Usher calls him an anal pro. But, like, that's yeah. that's the closest we get. So, I mean, but I think that's also because we have a gay man writing this screenplay.
0: Right. Yeah. And and maybe, I mean, I think all of us can agree the locker room was not a happy place to, no. Be, no. to be growing up. Which is funny because so many conservative people would have you believe that oh, it's, like, of them, right? it's like our our playground but meanwhile it was like a fucking hell and uh that's kind of the crazy thing is you do see a lot of queer coding in these movies and it it was something i hadn't really even put together until you said it joe that this was kind of an interesting way of tying this movie into so many other of kevin williams's movies i mean if we mm-hmm. want to talk about gay sexual awakenings let's talk about billy and stew that that for me was like the day i knew i liked guys was when and don't ask me why (laughs) when skeet ulrich is is rolling down the stairs in scream and his (laughs) like shirt rides up i was like oh well this is different (laughs) boater these movies were in so many ways and i think for lesbian viewers, especially in this movie in particular, yes. with a character like Stokely, this was kind of an awakening moment.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's the fucking coolest character.
0: And the most sensible. I mean, you can argue that that Zeke is the most quote-unquote intelligent, although I have my yeah, issues yeah. with that. Yeah,
1: well, let's quibble with that.
0: <laughs> but as far as someone being sensible, especially in the scene in the garage, mm-hmm. when Stokely is like, I'm not taking that shit. Everyone else, it feels like a red herring, like that, you're like, ooh, is she, isn't she? But with Stokely, it's like, no, if I were her, I wouldn't take that shit either. I wouldn't trust this kid. And then she's like, well, (laughs) what's in it? And that's when it's like, oh, this is a question I would ask. This makes her relatable. And then when Casey is having trouble shooting the gun she's like well i'll fucking i'll do fucking it. shoot her <laughs> um,
2: she's so good. and obviously that's because she hates delilah but it's yeah. also like oh no she's willing to pull the trigger yeah um no but that, no because that 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 moment is every
3: gay kid going after their bully that exactly. is what that moment is and also on tv i think it's i'll flip and shoot her um...
0: <laughs> she doesn't fooey shoot her I did
3: want to actually. Sh- this is just me personal anecdote, but with the locker room too. So like, we didn't have locker rooms. Like, we didn't do the showers. Um, because I mean, at least in PE class. Also, I'm really confused about why the football coach is also the swim team coach. But that's a whole another story.
2: Because a lot of coaches will also be responsible for doing PE and health. But there's so many like uh, swim
3: practice theoretically would be at the same time as football. Pro- whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But for me, so I was actually a really late bloomer when it came to puberty, and it was so weird. Like, I was never getting naked in the locker room, like, and I wore boxers, because if you didn't wear boxers, that was gay. Like, if you Mm -hmm, wore briefs or boxer briefs. But my thing was, so my tell, where I was, I hope people don't notice this, is because I was a late bloomer with puberty, I didn't have hair under my arms until I was in, like, sophomore, junior of high school. Uh, And so when I was in the locker room, I would intentionally, like, have my arms, like, by my side, because I didn't want people to see that I didn't have body hair. Hmm. I know, right? So, anyway, but yeah. So, any any scene like a high school locker room just reminds me of trying to hide my not my lack of armpit hair <laughs> when I was changing <laughs> in high school.
2: <laughs> so oddly specific, and yet very relatable. Mm-hmm. It is
0: very relatable. I mean, I remember watching the scene in the locker room with Casey and Gay. Yes, Gay, Gay, Gay actually specifically reminded me of an instance in a locker room when i was in high school and i was like that brought me back i almost said a number that i i would have regretted but a number (laughs) of years um i was like wow because it it was this very specific memory of like guys saying and doing things to make you feel badly about your body and about your existence in the space and it Mm -hmm. was like this particular moment was was just such a strange moment where it was like oddly homoerotic, but in a mocking way where so, mm. some guy was like, it was a football player and one of his friends and I was changing for gym and he had like a, a book in his hand or a binder or something. And he was like, Hey, can I spank you with this? Uh. And I was like, no. And he was like, Oh, he's so gay. And his friend was like, well, at least he said no. And I was like, yeah. there's these like specific moments where it's like, this scene was such a tell to queer mm-hmm. people right. of like why this is in the movie because it is such a victimizing scene for someone like Casey.
3: It shared yeah. experiences between all of us. Do y'all remember? Um, whenever they people would ask you to, oh, can you check your nails? And yeah. if you if mm-hmm. if you held them out in front of you, it was it was gay. But you so you had to do the thing where you you turn your hand around and you hold it like a like a little paw, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Oh God. The amount of time I spent, like, micromanaging my own physicality Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what am I doing that's gay so I can stop doing it so no one will comment on it is astounding.
2: Yep, I got that too. Check the bottom of your shoe for gum. If you lift your foot in front of you, then you're straight. But if you lift it back, then you're gay.
0: See, and to me, it's like lift it in the front and you're just lazy like me. You don't want (laughs) to, you don't want to, like turn around. I'm like, who gives a shit? I'm not looking all the way back there. Oh,
2: God. I really relate to the locker room scene where Casey says, I'm sorry, I was breathing here. Mm-hmm. It feels like such a moment of quiet resistance from him where he knows he can't fight back and he knows that even saying it is probably going to unleash just more shit on him, but you also can't help yourself. And i I know we've probably all talked about how as queer people, we often develop senses of humor because it's a coping strategy, right? But Mm -hmm. for me, that is that moment where you're like, I'm going to be quippy, and it's probably going to get me a smackdown, but I can't not say anything. Because he's literally getting pressed into this locker by Gabe.
3: Not to get like too, I I know, I know we're like talk heavy discussion here. But like, you're right but there's a difference because for some queer people I feel like it's like yeah we become quippy some of us become bitchy some of us become mean Mm. and it gets misconstrued a lot and I feel like also sometimes and for me this is like where biphobia comes in too it's like a lot of almost like trauma a competition trauma or trauma competition where it's like because for me it's like oh if like you see someone who's bisexual in a straight passing relationship like that's where a lot of biphobia comes from because I feel like for so many people I'll, I'll just say gay men, really, because I've seen this firsthand. It is, yeah. But where it's like, oh, you're in a straight-passing relationship, so you can get away with this. I've had to deal with way more shit because I'm, quote-unquote, actually gay. So I'm better than you, and you're beneath me. And I, I, I honestly hate that that's kind of like... I mean, that, that's my experience with what I've witnessed. Mm. And I hate that that's the thing, because it's like, why are we comparing... Like, why are we putting our trauma up against each other to compare... What makes us better? What makes us more entitled because of how bad of experience we had growing up? Like, a lot of us have bad experiences. Y'all don't compete with it.
0: Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I agree. Sorry. I, I, know that was a random, <laughs> I know that was a random aside. It, it,
3: it makes me think about it every time. And so I just, yeah.
0: It is true. And it's a moment that makes you feel for Casey.
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the entire point of this scene. And I think it's also to relate the fact that Casey thinks that Stan's life is completely different from his, but he doesn't actually know anything about Stan and Stan's going through his own personal struggles. Like, I really like The Faculty as a film that embodies the multiplicity of outsider statuses, and it doesn't mean that Casey has it worse, although you could argue you don't see Stan getting rammed into a fucking flagpole, (laughs) but... Stan also has it pretty bad like he is literally being psychologically abused by his head coach and made to think that he's worthless and his girlfriend is shutting him down for wanting to be a D student. Oh, oh, <laughs> when she says it's just the rules. If I'm head cheerleader,
3: I'm dating the captain of the football team. If you leave, mm-hmm. we're done. And I'm like, what yeah. school
1: is this?
2: <laughs> uh, every school USA. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's jump ahead to biology class because we're never really told exactly what subject Mr. Edward Furlong teaches, <laughs> aka John Stewart. Oh ma'am, Edward Furlong. uh, oh, God bless him. Also, a queer awakening for a lot of people in Terminator Two, I'm sure. Um, not
3: for me. I actually did not. I mean, I'm. You know, no no shade to Mr. Furlong, but no, I never found John Connor attractive.
0: <laughs> really.
3: No, he was like, I I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, he looks like, a. I mean, I guess maybe because he's meant to be, what, 13 in that movie? Maybe? Mm -hmm, That's true. Ish? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Um, But he was always just like too, oh, no, I'm not going to say, it's going to sound like I'm body shaming, but he was just too scrawny. (laughs) And I say that as someone, I'm like, oh, but I'll have Elijah Wood in this movie, though. (laughs) (laughs) So scrawny is fine
2: if you look elfin, is what Trace I actually
3: hated John Connor's hair, like really strongly hated John Connor's hair. (laughs) That's where I thought you were going to go for. I'm like, oh, it's longer hair. You
0: don't like. Yeah, that. that's what I would have said.
3: Well, then, <laughs> then I'm sorry, the scrawliness did not bother me. <laughs> oh my god, hair shaming
0: uh <laughs> i really can't nail you down today trace <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you pissy i'll take that. you have
0: such a wide reaching uh aesthetics <laughs> i can t- i contain multitudes yeah
2: when it comes to teenage boys yes <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> oh, my god, don't the oh my god
2: okay um yeah so we we go to science class and this is where we discover this new species that casey has discovered on the football team they discover that it replicates in water it has sharp teeth and this is then when we move into Stan in the shower room doing a wet and wild with Mrs. Brummel.
3: <laughs> yeah, watching this as a kid. Eleven year old me, the scalp coming off of her head is it's good, and, and and that feels Robert Arriguez-y to me, <laughs> yeah, because yes. it's gooey, it's very this gooey. Is Planet Terror, the precursor, yes. right? One hundred percent.
0: And even worse is the moment when it hits the ground and it's like Ooh, sitting like in the spoosh. water. It's like it made me sick watching it last night.
3: And this is a bit of a character because I mean, I really let you understand a lot in this viewing, and in, in a way that mm-hmm. I haven't before. And it's the moment when she. She gets in and he like, she basically grabs him and mm-hmm. he holds her. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't recoil. He doesn't look disgusted or rage. I mean, you know, he, he looks disgusted. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's moving past it to like help her. And right. that, that to me is a really,
2: also a really good character beat for Stan. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a, yeah. I, I agree 100%. It definitely made him a little more human.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So let's move on to Miss Burke, whom we've only briefly mentioned. Obviously, played by Horrorqueer's alumni Famke Janssen.
3: Uh, oh, Did I get right. That right. Oh my God. Yes, you are right. And I think I even said Janssen earlier. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> How many times have we tried to do this? Famke Janssen. <laughs> there we go. So, a. I don't know why this woman is teaching. Um, she <laughs> is. <laughs> she is walked over by everybody at this school, but. It's kind of an against-type casting for her, even at this point, right? Because she'd already done Goldeneye, and she's obviously, yes, she's done Lord of Illusions. Deep Rising, yep. Yeah. The moment that I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad for her, is when he offers her the condoms, and she's yes. just like, it's so rude, and she's like oh, crying. Oh, it's so cringy. Oh, uh, I feel so bad for her. Um, And I also have thoughts on her art in the coda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes the inappropriateness of it all but he but he's older he's the he's over the age of 18
2: because he repeated a year he is yeah. still a high school student yep she yeah. is still his teacher it is not appropriate yeah, was it was not okay in 1998 gross. folks even i understood that
3: back then <laughs> well I mean, we've already brought it up, but Never Been Kissed comes out the next year.
2: And that's Mm -hmm. all about
3: inappropriate student-teacher relations. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah. As folks know, I host another podcast on YA adaptations. And let me tell you that the trope of teachers sleeping with students needs to fucking die about two decades ago. It needed to die with Pretty Little Liars it's bad and we honestly just keep trotting it out so when it happens here you're like well at least we don't have to see them kissing or fucking like we do in a lot of other texts (laughs) no
3: it's it's just left in the end like well i guess they're in love now
2: (laughs) Yeah, she's wearing piper lori's scarf and she looks super cute and she's waving to him from the bleachers Um, okay, so let's move on to the bigot at first attack sequence. This is when Casey and Delilah are caught in the faculty lounge, and they get locked in the closet. And they observe Miss Olsen and the coach attack Nurse Harper. So this is when we get Piper Laurie put in the water in her face. Which yes, is great. best mm-hmm. moment of the
0: scene, if I'm, if I'm being honest. It's
3: the
2: most important part of the scene. Because yeah. so, her hair, like, flies back, her bangs <laughs> fly back. <laughs> she whips it at her safe. <laughs> She rather whips it at her face
0: <laughs> it is so impeccable it literally it's like it's like she did a spit take in her yes! own face it's oh my ridiculous God. it is
2: gay rights yes
0: <laughs> she's like a real housewife that's super confused she meant to throw it in someone else's face and she was like no it you you made a mistake it's your turn i
3: actually wish so like we get a set piece with miss burke we get a set piece with principal drake mm-hmm. the coach has enough to do I wish we got a set piece of Piper Laurie in this movie because mm. that would have been really fun.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's weird because you're right. You know, basically Miss Olsen disappears after a certain point. Nurse Harper disappears and Mr. Tate disappears. So yeah. really, unless you're directly connected to one of the students, you don't get much unless you're Principal Drake.
3: And that's so we're missing the theater kid. We're missing the gay theater kid in this movie because then right? Miss Olsen would have had a set piece. Oh, absolutely. There we go.
2: Let me show you our town. Ah. (laughs) I never got the joke where she says, well, we'll just reuse the sets from our town. Because I was like, wait, I don't understand. Oh, there's no sets for our town. Yeah, I saw that too.
3: Yeah, have her come in and be like, this is our town now. (laughs) Um,
0: It would have been even better if she had said like, oh, the kids were so excited to do our production of Little Shop this year because it's, it's literally an alien invasion story yes. yes oh my
3: god
2: okay rewriting this movie
3: well no yeah so i mean that, that's it going into if you're gonna re-update this re-update we're gonna update this movie yeah like that's something that i would do i mean also just make it a full two hours scream is two hours sure yeah. give every member of the faculty their own set piece mm-hmm. which might make it feel episodic but i don't care whatever just fucking do it right
2: yeah <laughs> Uh okay, so we end up escaping. Delilah and Casey are okay, but uh,
3: Delilah leaves his ass. Oh, oh she, she leaves his ass. Him. I love that part where he slips and squeaks down no, the hall because you know what it reminds me of? A Scary movie too. When it's like
2: Brenda, help me,
3: because <laughs> he holds his arm out and he's like, Delilah,
2: <laughs> let the faculty mutilate his white ass. Oh yes. Oh my god, <laughs> and leave. Oh, dear. Yeah. So Casey makes the arguably bad decision to then tell his parents and come back with the police. And of course, time has passed. So these faculty have switched out so Mrs. Brummel's dumb. dead body for a resuscitation Annie doll. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. Uh, also, um, Horacruits alumni,
3: Mr. Dwayne Martin from Scream mm-hmm. 2, Joel the cameraman, is yes. one of the cops in this movie.
2: Indeed. Yes, I did make that joke earlier. But yeah. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, see, I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, so this does not go well. I do love this moment where Principal Drake asks Casey's mom, you know, oh, maybe if you just step into my office and Casey goes, no, mom, I'll see your fucking shrink in the city because he's still feeling protective. I'm just like, kid, this town is already overridden. Your mom's gone. Just let her go. Yeah. Yeah, because he sees Dwayne Martin come out already turned. Because now they're going to own the
3: police, which <laughs> just comes to nothing.
2: No. Which is good because I don't want to see more of that in here. Like there's even that moment where they escape from the school and they see that the police have started to set up a roadblock so that nobody can get out of town. And I'm just Damn. like, oh, I don't want that movie. I want to stick with the kids.
3: I guess it's just supposed to be where it's like, oh, because Kevin Williamson is thinking, okay, what do audience members say when they're watching a horror movie? Mm-hmm. Why don't
2: you go to the police? Cool. Exactly.
3: Let, let's do this. So we, that, that, that's a non-entity. So that, that, that does make sense, actually.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so, yeah, Boob Magazine, his parents revoked his
3: privileges. Oh, flogging the Bishop, man. I uh, definitely did not know what that meant when I saw this as a kid.
0: <laughs> it's kind of a strange euphemism.
3: It's a dad thing, I feel like. Yeah. It's like from that era. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, yeah.
2: I don't like the part where Casey falls out of his window and then we see the shadows of the faculty reaching to him. I'm like, it's good, but it doesn't need to be in here. It makes no sense because he turns around,
3: his dad's right there, and then he looks around and then they're gone. They're gone. So I'm yeah. like, well, mm-hmm. is this a hallucination? Were they really there? And that's why I thought this is when Delilah gets turned because, I'm, okay, well, they're going to both of their
0: houses. And that's how I felt. This is probably some kind of indication that the faculty is pursuing them. And that's why mm. we're supposed to think, when we're supposed to think Delilah was turned. Because otherwise, I cannot justify this scene at all. No, it, <laughs> right. it doesn't
3: make any sense. It's only here, I guess, for a scare. Like I think so. This feels like a studio ed- edition.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because if you think about it, like, when is the next time that we get something big? We got a lot of character beats to go through. Yeah. And then we'll get to the Edward Furlong. <laughs>
1: I'm
2: sorry, I can't even say it seriously. The Edward Furlong scene. That's the thing, though, right? Like, that happens an hour into this movie. So
3: yeah, we have about 20 more minutes of let's mm-hmm. get these kids together. And that might sound like an insult, but I don't, yeah. it doesn't bother me because I'm actually genuinely interested in watching all of these kids interact.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it's all really good stuff because, like, the next day we come in and we immediately see that people are starting to act differently. So the girls who are getting into car accidents and dragging each other out through the window by their hair, uh, the (laughs) fuck you boyfriend-girlfriend pairing played very memorably by River Phoenix's sister, Summer, and John Abrams from the first scary movie. They start to act completely differently and they're not fighting anymore anymore. And all of the popular kids are getting called in for an ear exam. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love the moment where we start to see all the faculty and they're like super sexed up. Like we saw it with Piper Lori, We see it with Principal Drake. But I love Selma Hayek approaching that student with the ear exam. Like, how can I strut my shit sexy for one dream in this movie? <laughs> I'm
3: surprised he didn't just put her in the Santanico Pandemonium outfit from Nestle from Dawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> That snake was just off screen. (laughs) Also, we have uh, Delilah besmirching the name of drag because Mm -hmm. (laughs) Casey asked her about her glasses and her line is, do you think I'm in drag for the
2: aesthetics? (laughs) It's like, bitch, you are so out of touch. That ain't drag.
0: It's not drag. And I'll tell you exactly why she is not an expert on this. One of the first things she says in the movie when she first sees The 72-minute Estee Lauder lips? Yes! yes she was like this took me 72 minutes to to apply and i was like 72 minutes i was like did you do it with your feet i don't how <laughs> did it take you 72 <laughs> minutes it's not even an impressive lip
3: oh that's amazing that's she's amazing. not gonna get on drag
2: Race no with, not uh, anytime that soon Mm-mm. <laughs> Uh, but I do love that this is the moment where we start to see our six come together, right? So Delilah and Casey have this little tete-a-tete and then she grabs Dan and he grabs Stokely and then meanwhile we've got Zeke presumably trying to put the moves on Mary Beth as he like leads kind her around the school on his shopping trip for scat supplies.
0: Which, let's chat about this for a second. Have scat. we
2: mentioned that Kevin Williamson is a gay man? <laughs> Trace, do you even know what we're joking about when we say scats scat? Scat's poop. Yes, scat play.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I watch porn, not scat porn, but I'm aware of what it is. <laughs> scat, scat's like up there with sounding and water sports where I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't see the appeal and it's not for
2: me, but good on people that
0: I can. will see myself out. Thank you very much. <laughs> me think
2: she doth protest too much.
0: <laughs> I definitely do not watch scat porn, especially on men.com. I do not Ooh. watch it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god, men.com. I used to, oh my god, well, they used to have a blog. What? A porn blog? No, so they, uh, oh no, sorry, I'm thinking of Manhunt. I'm sorry, Manhunt. Uh, I and mean, they would always promote men.com, but there used to be, uh, it was manhuntdaily.net, which was a blog of porn. And that's how I actually found all my porn because they, it was like all the studios were um, like posting constantly 30 second clips. So I was like, oh, cool, yes. I'll just, I'll open up like 20 of these
2: tabs, watch 20 30 second clips, and I'm good to go. <laughs> If we have any young listeners out here, I'm just going to do a PSA. Obviously, porn is not real, but also do not jerk off to 30 second porn clips because then you will never be able to last longer than 30 seconds. Also Joe, how did terribly you know?
0: unsatisfying. <laughs> but
2: yeah. Okay. So yes, yeah, I really want to know what's
3: in it because he says that the the secret is caffeine pills. So we know and this.
0: other household
2: items. I mean, is he talking about crystal meth? Well, I. He makes it
3: in his garage. Here's the thing if you have Claritin D, you don't need the caffeine pills. Like, you're good, I think. I think that's how meth
2: works. Um, Oh, my God. Austin, let us know. <laughs> but no, but
3: I mean, they're, they're snorting it like cocaine. And I'm like, okay, well, the caffeine pills kind of make sense. But snorting caffeine pills isn't going to give you the same high that cocaine gives you. Like, I don't know. I don't so understand. fast,
2: too. Like, when Casey does it, he's giggling like a schoolboy maybe 20 seconds later. Like, how fast is this thing hitting their system? Well, so speed actually does
3: hit you very fast. Like, a cocaine high will hit you in the, like, within 60 seconds.
0: What's in, like, angel dust? Oh, my God. But 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 it's not gonna make you giggly. It's not gonna no. make you
3: laugh. You're gonna be yeah. talk You're gonna be like me right now. But I'm not on uppers. Um, <laughs> sure. Me thinks she doth protest too. Much.
0: I'm not on uppers, and I don't watch porn. Stop suggesting no. it. If
3: anything, this drug should make all of them like each other more. Like, you're going to feel very social. You're going to feel, like, rapid talking. You're going to feel very excited. You're going to sweat a lot. Like, it's not going to make you giggle. But again, this is a mysterious movie drug named Scat.
2: (laughs) So what we're saying is real life Scat would make you start a podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is his way of, like, just maybe this is like a gay joke. He's like, Scat is funny. So, like, when they do Scat, they just giggle. Mm -hmm. i
3: guess so i mean because yeah they're reacting to the to the high of scat is similar to weed
2: and i'm like well that doesn't make any sense yeah Yeah, i don't know i will say though i love the presentation capturing it in pens i just think is such a great visual signifier when we're talking about high school students but let me ask both of you something
3: no i do not watch scat porn (laughs) there is a bottom on this pen except for when mary beth uses her alien finger to empty it Mm-hmm. what kind of suction are they getting to where they can actually suck this powder out of the pens? I mean, they've got superhuman nostrils.
0: These are some very skilled noses, if I'm being honest.
3: Well, <laughs> you, you would have to tilt it back. Yes. And I guess get some air from the outside. I mean,
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> Just I like, think you're maybe overthinking the logistics. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No,
3: you need to get that shit on a piece of glass, cut it with a credit card, get a dollar bill, and go to
2: town. That's now, listen. Oh my like, God, Trace, your ass is showing right now. <laughs>
0: I have no experience with any of this. I'm <laughs> sorry.
2: Are you not a drag queen? Oh, wait, never mind.
0: <laughs> but I will say that if you loosen the cap, it will still hold the the powder, and it will open up the end to make the vacuum.
3: You go. know how I bet you know that? Is because fleshlights have a similar <laughs> suction thing. Oh my god.
0: Which you have never used while watching scat porn.
3: I have a fleshlight in my nightstand drawer. I am not ashamed to admit it. It is Brent Corrigan's butthole. But,
1: um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Wait, they no. didn't make
3: an Elijah Wood volume? Oh my god, if they, oh my, if only, if only. Um, Elijah Wood, if you're listening, please go get a butthole mold made for Fleshlight.
0: Now I know what to get you for your birthday, Trace. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: no, no. <laughs> But fleshlights basically the end of them, like where you would put the batteries in a normal flashlight, you can unscrew it to open the airflow so it's less suction on your penis when you're fuck when you're well, not fucking well I guess you could fuck it, but you're also like moving it up and down. Um so the tighter it is, the more suction you get, or you can close it all the way to where it's like literally like grabbing your dick as you're pulling it off.
0: So let's talk about this <laughs> <versus> <laughs> Wait, before speak. we go, before we go, <laughs> I do wanna point out that and not that I think this would have been a thing at the time, but you are saying that the reaction is more like pot. Mm-hmm. There is a thing now called concentrated cannabis, and it it, uh. it has been branded as cannabumps. Oh, God. Oh. And it is basically like, I'm assuming, I've never used it, it is basically, I'm assuming, powdered THC.
3: Hmm.
0: And I wonder if...
3: It's like the same kind of concept,
0: yeah, maybe, maybe
2: interesting
0: he he is a genius, Zeke is a yeah. genius
2: he's an entrepreneur, he's ahead of his time,
0: he is he invented canna bumps <laughs>
3: that's Kevin Williams, yeah, he was ahead of the curve, he knew what to do, and he was like, y'all been do I've been doing this shit for twenty years, y'all <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Okay,
2: but for real, can we talk about the staging of the Burke versus Zeke showdown in the quad? Oh, it's great. When she just walks up, she's obviously sexified, Mm -hmm. and she dresses him down, but they're fully surrounded by other students, and it just reminded me of, like, a rap battle. Okay, I didn't think about that, but now (laughs) you put it in my head. (laughs) They're trading blows, and then she, like, kills him, and all the students are like,
0: ooh. And it won't be the last <laughs> time they trade blows. Oh, no.
2: Wait, is that a of bump joke?
0: No. No, that is a... Uh,
3: They're smashing it on a football court.
0: That is a CODA joke. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> my I will say, on my rewatch of this movie, which I have not watched in quite a while, this was probably my favorite scene in the movie.
3: Oh, oh really? watching this because like, we, we've seen him bully her we've seen yes. him, him treat her like shit so yeah this is a moment that's like fuck yeah yeah mm-hmm. this was
0: like the whole the thing we were talking about with Casey before say, like getting your one quip in yes. this was like that to the nth degree and oh, I was yeah. like oh it, you know and I know I'm supposed to be rooting for Zeke because he's supposed to be the hero here, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: I really loved watching her hand him his own ass.
2: Oh,
3: 100%. And isn't it interesting, though? And I don't know why it's interesting, but just that that, that kind of a moment is not given to one of our teenage members. It's given to a faculty a cast member. faculty member, member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of love that. And also, she's evil in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Why are we rooting for the evil teacher in this scenario? Hmm. But I think that's, I mean, okay, I'm I'm jumping ahead now, but that's why the whole thing with the aliens, which I, I wonder if that's to why this speaks to queer audiences or anyone who's been bullied, really. Because the whole, the speech that Mary Beth gives in this mm-hmm. locker room is, imagine a world where no one has to be different, where everyone's the same, everyone treats each other with love, blah, 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 blah. It's something, honestly, that I almost wish would be explored more because it's such an interesting concept that honestly i mean i myself have thought in this scenario where i'm like well i mean i wouldn't be myself but no one would hurt me Mm -hmm. so it's definitely something that has resonated and maybe that's why i've kept this film like in my queue for so long is because that resonates with me i relate to it it's just an interesting concept that i do wish that um i mean again we get it like we have we see casey as she's saying this but it's interesting
2: Yeah, because the whole movie is supposed to be about the perils of conformity and what we lose if we become a hive mind like everybody else, you know. Oh, the things that made these kids unique and different will be lost. But I think as queer people, it really takes a different kind of meaning for us because we are these kids where we feel at odds with our body, at odds with other people, we feel bullied and terrorized and targeted. And the idea of finding a safety in being welcomed unanimously, it's utopian. And there is something desirable about that, particularly like for me, when I was a teenager, I didn't think that it sounded great, but in hindsight, I think I would have loved nothing more than to have been able to show up at school and have everybody be chill with me. That sounds ideal. Mm-hmm. In a lot of
0: ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think to some degree. I think I had a different mindset when I was in high school. I was much more...
2: Did you want to fuck the establishment and like burn it all down?
0: I mean, yes and no. I I was like strangely conforming but anti-conformist. It was like I lived in this weird gray space where it was like I was the only openly gay guy in school oh. after one of the older kids graduated and... Mm-hmm
2: you became the only gay in the high school
0: well no I, it, what's strange is that my sister and i were the only two like openly gay people in our wow. high school and she was a couple years ahead of me so like it was like someone would graduate and they'd pass on the torch it was like mm-hmm. okay you're going to be you're going to be this person now and so it kind of created this situation where you had to like you just kind of had to put on your boots and start kicking ass or or mm-hmm. you were going to get walked all over and so i almost had the opposite reaction where it's like i wish i could have learned to be a little gentler when i was Mm. younger
2: okay that's nice though it's hard though if you have to wear that burden and Mm. i'm thinking back to my own high school experience my best friend was one of the few very publicly out kids and yeah he was kind of the same like he wore it like a badge of honor but he also couldn't take shit from anybody because that would have changed the dynamic right you then put the target on your back, you have to be that defiant, like, yeah, you got a fucking problem with it. No, I'm owning this.
0: Yeah. And even, I mean, in high school, you don't have that. <laughs> you don't have all the tools you need in a lot no. of cases, or at least I didn't, I should say. No, I shouldn't generalize. Uh, you right. So it's, it's like you're reaching into a box and grabbing whatever you can find and, and whatever comes out is what comes out. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a strange situation for, not to make this a, about my my personal life. No, but, you can. I mean, if
3: you're if you're comfortable with that. <laughs>
0: I don't mind. I just don't want to hijack the conversation. No, go ahead. Yeah. Take um, the conversation. I definitely had an experience where it was like, I was kind of popular. I was nominated for prom for some reason, King, who knows why (laughs) anymore. But I went to a school called Governor Livingston and it was was called GL. We all called it GL. And Mm -hmm. I I won Mr. GL one year because it was like people couldn't help but love me because I made them laugh. But then at the same time people loved me, people were cruel to me and, and kind of made a target out of me. And so it was like, there was always this strange dichotomy. I think if I hadn't been in the situation of these people in this school, I probably would have... I would have been a monster. I would have just unleashed hell upon people.
2: I love that. I mean, <laughs> not, not really. I don't <laughs> condone violence, but I also love the idea of like, I don't know. There's something so powerful about people being able to own their sexuality and right. their agency at a younger age. It's something that I often marvel at at a younger generation. Well, and I mean,
3: I've said this on the podcast before, though, but how a lot of films portray high school, even this one, that was my middle school experience. Like the the, the hierarchy of popularity, how cruel people were, Mm -hmm. that was middle school for me. High school, I did not have the same experience. It was much more kind to me, and it got even better for me after I came out. Because again, once you're, if people know you're gay, what what can they do when they call you gay? Like, right. deny? Like, it's like the, you're like, okay, yes, <laughs> thank you. So, but, but I, I know it's like the, not like that for everybody. But for me personally, yeah, when I see a high school movie like this or like The Breakfast Club, I'm like, that wasn't high school for me. That was middle school for me. Because exactly. thirteen year olds are
0: the worst. Yeah, they really truly are shits. So how about uh,
3: Stan earning that D? <laughs> He worked hard for that D. That was his D, and he deserved that D.
0: To be fair, in high school, I worked very hard for it, too. And I never got it, so he should be very proud of himself. Wait, are we
2: talking about (laughs) grades or something else? Some
0: of us are, some of us aren't. Who knows anymore?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we jump ahead to the big set piece involving Mr. Furlong? Yeah, let's talk about that. So what do you folks think? Because I think, again, this is a very Robert Rodriguez-y, just the way he films it, the slow motion, uh, the staging, like it feels more akin to his directorial style than I think a Kevin Williamson screenplay.
3: Yes, and for me, it's mostly when Stan tosses the big paper cutter thing to Zeke and he catches it very smoothly. I was like, that's mm-hmm. a That's, that's interesting." Risky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could see that. Um, the CGI aliens... Eh. Yeah, they're not great, but I I do like the little tentacle things we have working here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I like the the kind of red veiny things that trickle behind them and that we saw them in the uh, aquarium when Stokely puts her hand up and they replicate the image of her hand and so on. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they just had that shot and in
3: post they were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if the alien did this or if they knew that Hmm. beforehand? Trace. (laughs)
2: it's filmmaking yes they had it planned in advance i don't know things things can happen later
0: i mean i i personally loved the fact that this was really the first time you see the actual i mean what would you call it possession Mm -hmm. in someone and so i liked that it was it was very jarring it's very jarring to see all of the like the tentacles and the and the grossness and him like grabbing casey and all and all the shit that happens it it really was like oh they did not come to fuck around (laughs) this was this was a serious moment
3: and this is definitely a scene where we start to get really the thing references here because Mm -hmm. we have the dismembered fingers once furlong's fingers are cut off and they crawl away and then we get to this next scene in the garage Mm -hmm. which is a blatant I mean, I'm going to say ripoff, but it's or homage, whatever it's a you homage, want to call it. Yeah. I like it. But what I find fascinating is, so this movie came out 23 years ago. We are further away from the release of The Faculty than The Faculty was from the release of The Thing when it came out.
0: Jesus. I don't like that math. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Let's go back. <laughs>
2: I just love this scene because yes it's obviously a homage but you know there's something that plays differently when it's adults versus teenagers so I love the idea that you know they make this realization oh my god aliens are taking over the fucking high school what's our solution let's get high
0: (laughs) yeah drugs are always the answer
2: kids (laughs) drugs are the answer kids yeah
0: this movie is a dare officer's worst fucking nightmare
2: (laughs) I mean drugs save the world (laughs) They really do (laughs) Respect your drug dealer, folks. They could save you one day. (laughs) Oh
3: God. But I I, I do love that we get this little, like, dissection of the rat. I love the, it's not mythology, but, like, the biology of these aliens. I love the way they look. And when we get to the queen reveal, I have so many things to say because I think that this queen puppet looks fucking awesome.
0: So cool. Kind of Tremors-esque in my opinion. i like the
2: full queen reveal i will say i've heard numerous people refer to these worm things as kind of poo like (laughs) Uh, okay they're somewhere between larvae poo and gyoza look at something like
3: this like slither (laughs) like slither i would argue took some inspiration from this movie among many other things as well but those are like Mm. straight up slugs I I would give more credit to David Cronenberg's
2: Shivers, but Oh, yes.
3: You know what? You're correct. You are correct. But
2: either way. (laughs) I mean, those I find more sexual, these I find, I like the creature design because it doesn't make me think of sex, which is funny Mm. because this film is also curiously asexual, even though everybody's super fucking hot and the movie ends with everybody coupling up.
3: But that's kind (laughs) of that post-scream thing, right? Like, none of these scream type slashers or horror films were ever very sexual like we do get that scene in scream One where billy and sydney have sex but it's like cross cut with another scene it's very chaste,
0: and it's mm-hmm. strangely relevant to the story for a horror movie right yes
3: whereas a sex scene in this movie wouldn't would feel out of place i feel like yeah i agree yeah
0: Can you
2: imagine? It's just like, Casey and Delilah sneak off to have sex, wondering whether the other person's an alien the whole time.
0: (laughs) It would be kind of a good transition.
3: If this were like the 2000s, she would probably like shoot an alien up as urethra.
0: Oh, God. God.
3: I was thinking about Piranha 3 Double D, where the girl has a piranha in her vagina, and then it bites the guy's dick off when he's having sex with her. (laughs) <laughs> and why wouldn't you think of that <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad it's a really bad movie actually way worse than that first movie because the first movie is great but <sighs> yeah. um but yeah so delilah is revealed to be mm-hmm. an alien and yep. that's kind of the last we see of her outside of the one school bus encounter because she is mm-hmm. also kind of out of this movie
2: <laughs> yeah I love the movie, like absolutely love the movie, up until this part. And then when they decide, okay, we think it's Miss Burke, we need to go to the school, the big football game's happening. I find the pacing starts to get a little bit wonky, and we start dropping characters a lot. People leave, and that's the last we'll see of them in the film.
0: Until Dakota. Yeah,
3: exactly. No, you're right. And I do wonder if it's an issue of too many characters. Like, we have two different casts. We have the faculty. We have the kids. The parents don't fucking matter. None of these kids have parents, except for Casey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I've always even been let down by Miss Burke's death. Like, because I'm like, oh, like, I think it's a fun scene, but it's also kind of like, oh, like, that's... That's it for BB Newworth. Also I think sh- it's her and Miss Brummel are the only teachers that quote unquote actually disappear. Die. Yeah, they they die. Everyone else is fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, as I've gotten older that's actually something that I like increasingly less. Like I obviously think that the image of you know, Miss Burke losing her head in this car accident with Zeke, and then her doing—I always think of it as uh Mars Attacks, where she has to like squat down and, <laughs> and pick up her, her head. Own head. It, yeah. It's kind of like that, but I actually liken it to uh, Evil Dead Two,
3: whenever the the corpse is doing the ballet with its own right. head. Yeah, but 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 that that feels kind of Robert Rodriguezy too, for sure. But you know, also it's very thingy because mm-hmm. of the head. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Yeah, and I I like it. And I think it's amusing. But it also it makes me question the logistics of how well these aliens can reconstruct themselves. She gets fucking decapitated, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't die. And we see her at the end of the film, and she's fine. And part of me thinks, again, if we were making this film nowadays, I think that would be the other thing is that if people died in this movie, they would stay dead.
0: Yeah, and I think it would be kind of necessary because it kind of becomes laughable at a certain point. We learn pretty quickly that the gun doesn't do much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Zeke is still running around with that fucking thing like it's going to do something. And it's like, you see, like it's you've his got dick. a free hand. He's I, I, wielding <laughs> his dick. He and literally to is. Shoot it. And it, it's one of those things where watching it, I'm like, what are you even do-? It's like, you might as well just cut off one hand. There's no reason <laughs> to have this.
2: Mm <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
0: it it made me fucking nuts yeah
2: (laughs) yeah i like that zeke needs the gun to feel manly (laughs) i mean really at the end of the day this film is far more interested i think in its male characters and again i'm teasing the coda where the satisfactory quote-unquote ending for each character is really about what happens to the men and how they Mm. have changed we are actually i'm
3: surprised we haven't mentioned this but casey is a final boy this is true.
0: Yeah, he is. Yeah,
3: and so it is a bit of an inversion, and, and maybe that was intentional on Kevin Williamson's part because he's like, "Well, I've already deconstructed the slasher genre. Let's do something else, and we're gonna give people a final boy." Like, and I, I honestly <laughs> don't think people talk about that enough because this is really an ensemble film,
2: right? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I, I mean, you could quibble with it. As we get into this back half, it really does become the Casey and Zeke show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, K- Casey is
3: one of horror's final boys. He
0: really is. Maybe that's another part of why you love him so dearly, Tracy. I
3: mean, I love a lot of things about Elijah Wood. So. Oh,
0: God, we're back. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so let's talk about the Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson reveal. So, you know, if Stan goes out, he gets turned. It's very sad because yep. he and Stokely's love is something. And although I, w- I will. Okay. Sorry. Quick shout out to Elijah Wood for the smirk he gives. Stokely after she kisses Stan before he oh, leaves. Yeah. And then he's just like, mm, I'm not saying anything. I think it's <laughs> fun.
0: <laughs> it is very, it is adorable of him to kind of treat her so kindly because it's one of the few times in this movie you see a male character treating a girl simply in a friendly way, in a platonic way. And again, I think it's one of the sweet things about a character like Casey is that he becomes a little more lovable because he's not like Zeke. He's not constant. Like Zeke knew Mary, I keep wanting to call her Mary Beth Dinberg. He knew Mary Beth. (laughs) With vital information for your everyday life. (laughs) Yes, and she really did have it. He knew Mary Beth for what, four and a half seconds? And he was like, come shopping with me in this closet.
2: Yeah, where we're definitely not gonna try to fuck, right?
0: Exactly. And that's kind of the thing I love so much about Casey is that it's really one of the only platonic relationships in this movie, which is made entirely bizarre by the coupling at the end. But Mm -hmm. that's a whole other story.
2: Yes. Okay, so what about this final scene? So Stokely gets dragged into the pool. I think the, the film's most shocking moment of violence is where Stokely eats shit on that mm-hmm. pool deck. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's great. So, yeah, so first of all, um, yeah, it, it, it really hurts. In my notes,
3: I'm gonna I put great. I have three different bullets, and it's great in all caps at the beginning of each one. I have great shot of Mary Beth's face turning into the alien. I love that her face like it sinks in and like dissolves and whatever. Mm-hmm. Great shot of Stokely's face hitting the tile by the pool. Ouch. <laughs> and then great shot of the alien appearing by Stokely in the pool underwater, where it's like you see the cloudy water, and then the, the teeth just appear. Yeah. Ugh,
2: I live for this shit.
0: And, like, one of my worst nightmares. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and especially because it's a callback to the earlier scene with Mr. Edward Furlong when he dips his finger into the tank to check its prostate. Mm. And we see that similar shot where the thing pulls back its mouth so that it can bite him on the finger. But here it's like, oh, this thing is about 50 million times bigger. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But so, th- this is technically the end of Stokely because we do get the reveal when we get a fully nude Mary Beth walking mm-hmm. around. And I will say, it's filmed really tastefully for what I would expect from Robert Rodriguez.
2: I mean, she's still a high school student in the world of the film.
0: And I think that's the only motivation for it being filmed that way because if she hadn't been a high school student, I think she basically would have been. It would have been tits out. Yeah, yeah it, there would have been punani all over the. She's walls. an alien, you guys. She's
3: not a high school student. She's like a hundred years old. <laughs> but no, but um, because actually, one of my favorite stylistic touches in this movie is when she's walking around, and you have the, the shadow. shadow of tentacles. Yes,
2: I fucking love it. It
3: makes no sense. <laughs> no, but it's so pretty. I don't even care. Yeah. All these shots of, like, the tentacles on the side of the locker is, is, like, like, whenever, like, she's, like, back in alien form. Like, oh, it looks so good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's, like, the entire message of this movie. There's very little in this movie that actually makes sense. Yes. But it is so stylistic and yes. fun. And it it just appeals to a very specific aesthetic. It's almost camp. And so... yeah. This movie really touches people in a way that you can't help but love it. It's like, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense for there to be tentacle shadows when she's in her Mm -hmm. human form. But it's still really fucking cool, so who cares?
3: Yeah, no, exactly. It looks good. I don't give a fuck. Like, that that is exactly what this is. I do honestly wish that we... And maybe I'll disagree, but that we had a little bit more. I know we know Mary Beth's motivation, but it's also like, well, you can also just like live on this planet and not take over everybody. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I was like, why you got to be taking over everything? I mean, you're such a narcissist. You could just be here and swim laps
0: in the pool. And be this hot lady
3: yeah exactly and so whenever casey's like i'd rather be afraid and she like does a heel turn and she's like fine well i'm gonna yeah, fucking fuck kill you, all of you blah 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 it, it's such a turn i'm like i kind of wish we had a little bit more from this queen alien to be like i don't know i want i want to know more about her but you know we, we've got to end the movie and but i will say that this bleacher shit is really cool oh my yeah. <laughs> god but what is casey thinking with this this is such a risky fucking
2: plan. I mean, spur of the moment, man, fight or flight. I guess. And it's I mean, it looks great. It's a really fun way to end a movie because you don't think, let's do a climax in the bleachers as they're collapsing. Like, that's just not where my mind goes to the musical because this is Marco Beltrami's score he does like all of Wes
3: Craven's films and all the screams but yeah we have that good moment when like when it eats through the the whatever the mechanism is and it starts like closing the bleachers faster and the music's like du- uh,
0: <laughs>
2: da <da-na, da-na,
0: da-na, laughs> <laughs> so good
2: <laughs> I also love the moment where he jabs it into her eye, well, its eye at this point, and then it's like it explodes these worms into oh, his face, yeah. and you see them going into the skin. The prosthetics are great, and it looks excruciatingly painful. And the creature itself looks really
3: good. The yeah, creature
0: yeah. looks amazing. That that shot, it makes you wretch, but then mm-hmm. if you also have a crush on Elijah Wood, it's like strangely erotic. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs>
2: Is that a spermazoa on your face? Yes.
0: Like she literally shot in his face. It's like Kevin yeah. Williams, can you try a little harder? <laughs>
2: or don't. I mean, <laughs> give the audience what they want. Think of how Trace, young Trace, responded to this scene.
0: Yeah, I bet he was reaching for that thing in his side table. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't life when I was 11, silly goose. <laughs> oh gosh.
3: So, yeah, I mean, that's the end, because then we just have this really quick one-month wrap-up. And, uh, Joe, do you have, like, a bulleted list
2: of all the changes? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. So, one month later, Zeke has to replace Stan as captain of the football team. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that is the close of his narrative. He is repeatedly said to be a genius, and he uses his academic insights to, like, cook up drugs and, like, grift other students and save the day. But yes, let's put him onto the fucking football team because there's a gap because Stan left. Sure. Okay. So Stan is now a proudly D student, I guess, and he is dating Stokely, who is now wearing fucking pastel. (laughs) Oh, and also Zeke is fucking Miss Burke.
0: Yeah. And he's also 40. Can we talk about that? (laughs) He's like the oldest person in this school. Half the teachers go to him for like, uh, he's like their dentist. (laughs) There's something so uncomfortable about the fact that he's like turning his life around and changing. And he's like star of the football team. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you got held back. Maybe like crack a book. Don't join the football team.
2: Yeah. And the fact that Miss Burke is there waving at him, obviously, it's it's meant to be romantic. But like the Miss Burke that we saw when she was a sexified alien made the point that he need. No, actually, it's not even then. It's earlier when she accuses him of selling personal business on school property. Mm -hmm. She's like, if you just applied 5% of your intellect, like Miss Burke would not change in this way. She would be like, why are you wasting your time on the football field? Crack a fucking book.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah, so then the final touch is that Casey is dating Delilah, and he is also a media star. But we (laughs) we're establishing that the social order of the school has not changed because the final shot is we see a different student, nameless, faceless, getting run crotch first into the flagpole. It's um, this ending fucking blows. It's awful. It's really bad.
0: (laughs) It's true. It betrays every
2: single character. Yes. I don't know for a fact, but this feels like the biggest studio kind of meddling slash note where it's like everybody needs to be happy, but it comes at the cost of all of the character development and even goes against the messaging of the film because all they do is become conformists. Like they fit into the established social order now, which is like not what the message of the movie is.
0: But do you think it was maybe. And not necessarily on Kevin Williamson's part, because I do agree with you. I think this does read a lot to me as possible studio meddling. Mm-hmm. But do you think it was it was their suggestion in terms of like, well, the whole point is that the aliens were supposed to kind of turn them into the people they were, they always wanted to be, yeah. but they could do that without the aliens. And so it's like, now Stokely can live and be popular and, and pretty and well-liked and have a boyfriend, and she doesn't have to live yeah. in this shadow anymore and zeke can be the head football player and and stan can get d i think <laughs> if
3: we didn't have we if we didn't have <laughs> if we didn't have the gap of a month where we don't see this transition. Like that's the problem. Like I guess yeah. I would buy it if we get to see how they got here, but we don't have time for that. And I I know why we don't have time for that. who wants to start yeah. that sure. the movie's over? But yeah. yeah, because they end so differently than how they start. It's almost like they've already they were taken
2: over by aliens. Like that's what happens.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not well executed, <laughs> at the very least
2: it's almost like that's where the horror is it's in that transition of the one month that we see between the climax and this coda it's like (laughs) no the real horror happened yeah they were overtaken and they just fit into a conformist society Ah! yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely (sighs) so that is the faculty
3: that is the faculty so all right well uh everyone before we announce that we're covering next week pissy first of all Thank you for joining us on this episode. It's my
0: pleasure. I really had so much fun talking to you guys about all this. And uh, I can't wait to chat again one of these days. You'll have to come visit me at uh, my spooky gay family.
3: Absolutely. And I think that other people want to know where they can interact with you as well. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and um, I don't know anything you want to plug.
0: Well, I'll I'll let you know. You know, I'm pretty easy to find. It's Pissy Miles, P I S S I M Y L E S. You can find me at pissymiles.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Pornhub, wherever you look. I promise I will be there. And <laughs> men.com, uh, <Man-hunt>. men.com, <laughs> Men.com. I will be there. Where is Elijah's butthole.com? Mm. I on my I, face <laughs> exactly. I also happen to host a really, really wonderful podcast with my sister, Sam, called My Spooky Gay Family. It is yes. available wherever you listen. Yeah, there, And you should definitely listen to the crossover episode between My Spooky Gay Family and Horror Queers. You guys were very, very generous in joining us. Oh. And it was such a joy to talk to you. So definitely come listen to our episode together. It's a lot of fun. And stick around. We, we chat about horror movies and ghosts and paranormal and cryptids and our lives as witches and weird people and queer people so that's that's the best place to find me
2: and you've had tons of great guests like i know that you had peaches christ on recently
0: we did have peaches christ on recently we had adam berry from uh kindred spirits oh yeah, and it was a really, really great episode. Kathy Kelly, uh, who is the owner of Paranormal Books and Curiosities in Asbury Park, New Jersey. we And we have a lot of other really, really wonderful guests planned for this year that we can't announce yet, but trust me, you will want to hear them. Nice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, well thank you so much pissy and uh, if you want to get in touch with us you can reach us on twitter and instagram at horror queers and join our facebook horror queers group to hang out with other listeners you can also find us on letterbox to keep track of all the films we've covered and finally we've got a youtube channel where we put videos up occasionally so go check that <laughs> out if you have a moment, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, 10 more reviews on the U.S. Apple Podcasts, and we'll have a whole 400. So, um, you know, Woo-hoo. go rate us. That'd be great. Uh, and if you want even more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. Uh, we are now in Ghosts and Zombies Month, or Seances and Zombies Month. I uh, will have episodes on Simon Barrett's new film, Seance, and Zack Snyder's new film, Army of the Dead. And to pair with each one, we'll have an episode on Mike Flanagan's Ouija Origin of Evil and an audio commentary on zach snyder's own dawn of the dead remake yes joe mm-hmm.
2: what are we talking about next week well trace this week sees the theatrical release of spiral in some countries <laughs> so to pair with that we are going to be celebrating the origins of the franchise we're going to be talking about the original *Saw* oh and lest y'all think there are no queer undertones in that movie
3: i beg to differ we will have lots to talk about <laughs> yeah let's talk about lee Wan'el. what hmm what? Yep. yes yep. yes all the time <laughs> um so yeah uh i'm really excited for this and hopefully anyone who has stayed away from this franchise because they're afraid of torture porn uh will let us uh convince you to give it a visit
1: Indeed. so yeah.
3: on that note i think we can cross
2: out the faculty yes and cross out horror queers <laughs> We'll